Where did we go wrong? And that is uh, Stimela. Thank you so much uh, for connecting with us. As I look um, at my screen on uh, SABC News Channel 404, um, I'm wondering what is going on. I'm hoping that uh, uh, NSPLA will uh, give us some light in how the DLC celebrates new birth, new year uh, with baby powder. Okay, uh, someone teach me, please. This is why we have that I am an African feature, so that we get to understand why we do the things we do. Baby powder and the DLC. Okay, I'm, I'm hoping someone teaches me on that. Uh, do connect with us. Uh, SMS is at 40938, charged at 150. WhatsApp voice note on 0614-104-107. And uh, Twitter and Facebook at SAFM Radio. And uh, you can hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. And thank you so much uh, for alerting us. Ngaeto, Mathubi is saying, Mshushwana is the surname. Mathubi is Duko. Um, saying that I'd like to tune in uh, and unfortunately my radio is not connecting MTAT. So uh, please uh, do uh, let us uh, anywhere else in the country where you're not getting a uh, connection. And our frequency is 104 to 107 FM nationwide. And if there are any challenges, please do let us know. And uh, we are taking care of that. And thank you so much to everyone else uh, who's uh, tweeting and Facebooking that you are listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. And right now, Let's uh, welcome Gerard Williamson, uh, clinical psychologist and uh, educationist, uh, active in educating, uh, education research and uh, founder of uh, Shaping the Learner, which is the most important thing, shaping the learner, shaping the child, building character. Good afternoon, Gerald. Thank you so much for taking our call. Good afternoon, Gerald, and thank you and the listeners for having me. Now, Gerard, this is one battle that a, a lot of parents are struggling with. I mean, I look at uh, at the core and center of uh, all these racial slayers that are currently happening with uh, the Swagrenica school and, and ev- anywhere else where uh, parents are feeling aggrieved, learners are feeling aggrieved, wanting space, and, uh, you know, teachers uh, not knowing how far they can stretch themselves in accepting more and more learners. It, it almost feels like, uh, you know, the more we plan, the more challenges we face in the next year, and forgetting that at the core of it all should be the learner. I agree with you, Griselda, and I also agree with you that this time of the year, it's an extremely tense time for many, many parents because so many Uh, parents do see education as extremely important in the life cycle uh, of their children and their families. And maybe also just to any house, say, on the issue around logistics and sometimes what seems like mayhem for many, to have faith in the idea that, you know, the majority of schools in South Africa and regions and areas seem to be uh, functional, in my opinion, Mm. and she seems to be in place. But we have that unacceptable pockets of problems uh, and uh, for, but for me is to invest in the bigger picture and the bigger picture shows that across the country by and large it's working absolutely and then i guess i mean uh, baby steps uh, whatever contribution positive contribution we put towards um, bettering our education system uh, is all welcome. So let, let's talk about the parents' uh, investment in, in the child's education. Does it only, because you know many of them um, wake up during this time of the year to start looking for space in schools. Uh, when should it actually begin? You know, you're asking like the million dollar question. 
I, I think uh, of the top advice, and which, which seems to be valuable for many parents, is that the earlier we plan mm. as to where and what we want our kids to do, so that conversation starts not the, the, uh, necessarily the, a few months before or the year before they go to school, but to, the research starts uh, a few years before that, you know, uh, at, at early level, to find out what is a school all about, in which area, you know, to basically start talking to other parents, to even go and visit that school and to find out what works and what doesn't. Mm. And, and for me, that starts with that investment. It starts at that point, in my opinion. And and I mean, if if that we regard as an investment, what then leads us to a place where there's now conflict um, between take my child, uh, my child uh, is not accepted in this school, my child can't fit in. Uh, how do we resolve that? And and remember that it's all about it's all it should be in the interest of the child. Of course, you know, Zelda, I guess you know understanding the nature uh, and uh, what a school all is all about and, you know, talking to other parents about the general tendencies in that school, the, the quality of the teaching fraternity in that school, you know, the general experience of other kids. That, of course, helps you before your child starts uh, grade one in that school. So it will give you that control that you can make a choice. But, of course, as we know, geographically in South Africa, not many parents have the luxury to choose a school. It's the nearest school. Uh, and for some parents that, that are not satisfied with the nearest school, uh, they do try their best to invest financially. And often, you know, with the famous, what we call the famous Soweto brain, uh, not brain drain, the famous Soweto school drain, where so many learners have uh, leave the, the school closest to them to go to a school in town or in the suburbs because the parent says, we don't have the necessary confidence in our local school. Now, you know, when parents do their homework beforehand, they make that investment to decide what is working for them or not. And some do decide that they rather go the extra mile, uh, financially struggle or save, or, or, you know, just invest in getting further away to the right school. But often it would mean that children, uh, the decision, that such decision uh, leads to the children struggling with getting up at half past four sometimes if they have to travel far and not using the closest school because it doesn't have the right character, right? The right people mm-hmm. and the right so, uh, curriculum for them, etc. But it does put a strain on their child. So you have to make a decision that's in the interest of your child, but there's no one-size-fits-all answer. That's what I'm trying to say. You have to really see what works for you and your family. So what happens in a case where, I mean, already um, as the school started, uh, parents are bombarded with uh, this homework that they I mean, they were never exposed to. They don't even know where to start. And uh, it almost feels like schools are now a business, that the more you can pay, the more your child can have more time with the teacher. And uh, if you can't afford, you, you have to work hard to pay in school fees and then still come back uh, home and try and sound and seem intelligent to your child. Well, let me start with fundamentally saying a very contentious thing as a clinical psychologist and educationist that have worked for more than 30 years in education. My experience tells me that there is no justification for the type and nature of homework that we see in schools today. I am extensively involved in teacher training and development across the country by the thousands, 
and it's a it's a, a story that I generally tell teachers over and over again. There is no uh, clinical or other research-based uh, evidence that uh, repetitive or repetition of what you learned earlier in the day therefore lends to longer-term skills building. We have not seen any evidence that the more homework you give, the smarter those kids will become. There are certain subjects that do require some form of repetition uh, just to embed certain types of knowledge, i.e. maths, right? Uh, and maths is largely a logic, insight, and skill building exercise, which is one of the few subjects that do that. But to make measure photocopies out of kids doesn't necessarily imply an increase in skill. So with that being said, you know, what, I, what I'm saying to parents out there, that they should, and teachers for that matter, that they, they shouldn't uh, associate this elephant called homework uh, with an extremely important skills outcome. That's my first clinical judgment, right? Mm-hmm. And based on evidence. And then the second part of it is, so there are schools that's going to try and load your kids with homework. There's that type of school. And then there's, of course, the schools that are more sensitive to it and they try to regulate it. Now, let's assume you find yourself with a school that does do what we call homework dumping, right? Kids are literally treated as mere photocopier machines. They put it on the board, kids replicate in the book and go further at home and do an exercise which is a replication of what was learned in the classroom. So with that in mind, if you find yourself faced with a school that is the, the type of school that do homework dumping, you as a parent have to find a way to deal with it. Now, maybe toward the end of the show, I might have two or three or four tips on that. Mm. But for now to say that um, the nature and character of your school will depend how much homework your child gets. And the conflict that arises, therefore, in the home often, you know, when we say the younger children, the more homework, tired parents, mm. toxic formula with a demanding teacher, and so the battle begins. And that is, of course, uh, where it becomes really toxic because often we've seen family violence emanate from that when That's adults it. are fighting each other, when father blames mother, mother blames father, when children are observing this battle, feeling a sense of hopelessness, despondency, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, that wonderful pictures we saw yesterday where all these young ones are sitting there, and you look at that and you say, my child, I just hope for your sake that you don't get thrown into a school where your educator fraternity misunderstands what homework means mm. and how they use it as a tool to empower you versus kill your spirit to That's the extreme. That's it, and make you hate school uh, in its entirety. We take a break. When we return, uh, would like to hear from you, 0891-104-207, and uh, also WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107, and seeing some of your tweets at SAFM Radio and hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. That's uh, both on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, SMS is 40938, charged at 150. Discussions impacting your life the most. 
And this afternoon, we're focusing on, uh, you know, your your as your involvement as a parent, the relationship you have uh, with your child's education, uh, be it uh, homework or uh, perhaps progress in school or who teaches them. And unfortunately, most parents would wake up uh, when something goes horribly wrong and, and the time to start uh, perhaps is way much earlier uh, than when you start experiencing challenges. And uh, Gerald uh, Williamson is joining us as a clinical psychologist psychologist and uh, as a an education researcher um, to just help us uh, just uh, you know uh, understand the context and and uh, look at what our role is as parents and I opened uh, with something he shared uh, where he said when you become a parent remember don't allow anything in your life uh, that you don't want reproduce in your child uh, and 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 I guess uh, you know some of the experiences that we're going through now are things that we've allowed um, uh, to happen uh, in, in in the past. And how do we change the status quo? Because so much uh, still needs uh, to be changed. Now let's talk about uh, it. Does it help uh, to put the blame on someone and and try and and find a way of of, of uh, blaming um, Gerald? Yes, you know, Gerald. Uh, often parents themselves often find themselves in a very busy environment, right, uh, trying to survive economically or just have so much going on in their lives, uh, either or that they don't always give attention to what's happening to the children in the school, right? Mm-hmm. That includes not always being involved with the child's teacher, uh, not knowing even the teacher's name for that matter. Yeah. Right? Uh, even at high school level, right, they, you don't know who your child's teachers are, what subjects they offer, uh, what do they know about your child. You don't turn up for parent evenings. You don't engage the teacher. Even if you turn up for a parent evening, you're there, you come and look at the book and you walk out because, well, for whatever reason. And so you kind of parent at a distance. And some people would argue that, you know, you, you may find yourself inadvertently, and maybe not because you're a bad person, but this happens that way, mm. that you have now outsourced this thing called parenting to the other adult, which is the teacher. Mm. Right? So indirectly, you are saying, I'm giving you this child from 8 o'clock till 2 or 3 o'clock, in some cases 4 o'clock, and you need to rear my child. Mm. Right? And therefore, this distant parenting, uh, parenting becomes uh, the style for the next couple of years. And of course, one of the major consequences of that outsourcing of parenting is that we don't always enjoy what we see in our kids we don't always enjoy what we hear and often the only time that we tend to be shocked into some form of thinking and in some extreme cases parents become aggressive and violent and extremely disappointed some feel blamed some feel guilty and that is when the report arrives right and then they say who's to blame for this Mm. this report doesn't look good and of course, the parent that doesn't want to own the relationship with the school is the one that says it must be your useless teacher. Right? <laughs> yeah. Or and and it, when the child gets to school, what they see is what the parents said, um, useless teacher, and end yes. up not listening. And there goes conflict. Correct. Often, I mean, I think we've heard this story many times before where we say uh, we end up criticizing the teacher, but our children are overhearing this. Mm, And mm. our children learn to become critical of the very person that we are depending on to help our child go to the next level of life. 
So we find ourselves in this strange dance where we have outsourced the parenting if we're not involved with the school, where we are not sure what's going on. We don't know, uh, for example, uh, what exactly these children are requested to do on a daily basis. I've met parents who were even surprised that their children were a classroom monitor. They never knew that. You know, they, yeah. they weren't even aware that the child has been involved in this activity in the school, is involved in the cleanup uh, group, you know, or the environmental group. Mm. And you ask them, so, you know, do you get the opportunity not just to get information from your child? Do you make an opportunity to engage with your school? And here's the other part. I find that many parents, because they don't turn up for parent meetings and parent engagement, they do not know what their teachers require of them. Yeah, so they don't yeah. know the teacher. And so they don't know that the teacher is asking uh, certain things at certain times. And so they don't, they're not part of the plan. And they, they are mere spectators and observers of their child's education uh, between uh, them and the school. And they do get angry and upset and sometimes a whole lot of other stuff when they are constantly at intervals, this once, twice a year, to say, have you looked at your child's performance? And I've realized, I've realized, have you ever been, at, I don't know, Christelle, if you are a parent yourself, and that's at school with the child, they were, there's the famous parent evening where you come in and you notice nobody is talking, except yeah. that teacher. <laughs> yes, their hand is always up. And uh, my husband would be one of those uh, and, and always raising issues. <laughs> mm. At times, right. I just want to head, uh, bury my head in, in <laughs> sand and just uh, say, not now. <laughs> but right. yeah, he's one and of those parents. Precisely, because I've of, often thought about those evenings. And the, the joke, standing joke I have with many thousands of teachers that I've trained in workshops is that it would seem that that is the one night that teachers who are angry with parents have an opportunity to subtly hit back at the uh, latent anger by pointing out the mistakes that kids make Mm. often, but indirectly it makes the parent feel, or it says in brackets, you see, you are the problem. And you know, some parents feel that. They feel that they are to blame, and Mm. some respond by staying away from the school, not coming to parent evenings or other requests for engagement. And uh, I find that some parents uh, feel so blamed by it, mm-hmm. that you will find that one party turns up, the mother turns up or the father without the other party, and you ask where's your wife or husband, and they say they don't want to come, yeah. or they are busy. I, I would like us to also just go back on that uh, homework conflict and how we end up uh, ridiculing our children and fighting um, and, and at times the fight comes from not knowing uh, how to resolve some of the challenges that come with homework, and uh, we'll do that straight after the headlines with uh, Joalane Tulo for connecting with us uh, taking your messages sms is at 40938 charged at 150 per sms and uh, have to withdraw announce that ngedo mshushwana is finally connected uh, whatever challenge that uh, uh, he was experiencing technically has uh, been sorted out uh, tuning in mtata on 105.6 FM. Thank you so much uh, for confirming that. And uh, taking some of your messages, um, someone unsigned SMS says, uh, grannies are doing homework, which is tragic. I mean, Gogo is already tired. Uh, and, and someone uh, further goes to say, uh, why send children 
uh, as uh, for for schooling and and loads of uh, in in taxi coming to suburbs uh, it's very costly uh, rather take them uh, to a school close by and unfortunately i mean uh, we have a baggage uh, of a an, a dysfunctional education system it's changing i mean i know coming from Gauteng and looking at uh, MEC what MEC Banyazal Sufi is doing in Gauteng uh, there's pockets of excellence and uh, there's great things uh, coming in but uh, I mean once again I go back don't allow anything in your life that you don't want reproduced in your child right, uh, Kay in Bloemfontein says uh, what are the dynamics of being involved when kids are raised by grand, uh, grandmothers that aren't literate and, and I guess it goes back um, to the question that I asked before we took a break uh, um, Gerald that uh, what happens when homework just becomes a, a nightmare monster and it creates a conflict and uh, a question comment for Gerald Williamson who's a clinical psychologist and an education researcher joining us yes Crisella you know the, the idea that homework uh, can become a, a, a place of conflict or an act of conflict lies uh, amongst others in the idea that um, if you know your child's teacher, I'm just taking one back, and mm-hmm. you go and talk to your child's teacher and you basically find out exactly what needs to be done and what doesn't need to be done, you probably, in my opinion, will reduce much of that conflict. And, and I say this because I often find that when children come home and they say we should be doing this and this, a large amount of the time is miscommunication between why our child understands what they should be reproducing and versus what the teacher wants. Mm. Right? So regular meetings with the teacher about what exactly are you looking for in homework will help the adult guide. But now when we say, remember, we live in a country, as, you, as one of your uh, SMSs said, where there is a problem with elders who are not able to be on board in terms mm. of literacy, etc. But the idea is not to do the homework for your child anyhow, because that position supposes that that adult is supposed to do the homework with the child. Yeah. In fact, it is not doing the homework with the child, it's guiding your child to do their homework. But what happens um, where a, a parent is exhausted? They come from work, tired from uh, whatever challenges that the workplace brings, and, and for them it's easier to just, you know, help complete the homework for the child of course and you know what rearing your child in, uh, by doing work for your child right you are not doing them any favors i know people feel pressurized by the child's mm. questions etc but once again two points to that one is that if a parent body in a school do make it clear to the teacher body that they do are not pleased with excess homework teachers have a policy imperative to keep homework to a minimum, to basically have it great, specific. So if you leave it unchecked, of course, somebody's going to give you 50 kilograms of homework every day, and you're going to end up trying to work through it. So the idea that you tie it and you say, you know what, let's do a shortcut, I'll help you this. You, you need to be careful about it. Mm-hmm. Allow your child to do the homework anyhow, and say to take it back to your child teacher complete as or incomplete as it is so that the teacher can do the necessary comments on that and those are the comments you engage with right as an adult but doing the homework for them doesn't allow the teacher to see what their deficiencies are Mm. or what is the problem with the homework system because if 40 kids or 30 kids come back 
and most of them have problematic uh, homeworks and etc. Teachers are not bad people. Many do adjust their methodology. But without that feedback, even if you write in your child's book and say, you know what, ma'am, I can see that you're asking him to do 40 pages of this DBE book. Mm. It does seem to be impossible since we have home circumstances as follows, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Teachers are getting feedback of, of how their instructions are being received in the home environment. That is engagement. It's better than silence. Or collusion implies that you're now taking over your child's homework and the teacher thinks everything is hunky-dory. Mm. Now, give us maybe some light. How do we resolve this? Um, because at, at, during this time of the year, um, parents do end up outsourcing because they are overwhelmed. Sure, definitely. Maybe, you know, the quick takeaways. The quick takeaways. I would say know your child's teacher mm. and what they're looking for. And that can only happen in a conversation. So be humble enough to go to your child's school uh, and say, may I request a audience or conversation or can you have a meeting with us as a group of class parents and then give us a little bit of workshop 20 minutes 30 minutes on what exactly homework looks like what is required what is not required so that we are able to understand when this thing comes into our house that we don't overdo or we don't underdo right Mm -hmm. know your child's teacher know what they're looking for the other thing is schedule a regular study time it's no use you, you know, let's assume that uh, you have a homework set up that starts at 8 o'clock in the evening. Before that, it's first TV and, you know, all of that type of stuff. You're tired, they are tired. Mm. So make sure that you have a regular time for homework. It is scheduled. You help your child to plan. The younger they are, the more you're likely to say, all right, can we agree between that time and that time all homework must be done? Whatever you struggle with, I'll be happy to give input or we will then have to write to the teacher for that day and therefore communicate around things that we don't understand and so forth. But I am guiding you to do your homework. Help them therefore make a plan. So that's the third advice, right? So the first one is know your teachers, schedule that regular study time and help your child to make a plan. Mm -hmm. You know, on the heavy homework nights when there's now a lot coming, hefty assignment, help your child to break it up and say, all right, let's do this for this for the next 10 minutes because the kids are feeling overwhelmed themselves. Yeah. So you need to have, uh, help them through it. And Griselda, let's be honest about it. Not all parents are, uh, are totally exhausted about this exercise because I do find that many parents go do sports after they come from work, they go play soccer, uh, you know, or they watch TV and all of that type of stuff. We can't use the idea that we are tired as 100% mm. It is possible for some people that they're totally exhausted. And if you can, then, you know, if it's big homeworks, etc., that is also on, on, on Fridays, and then schedule it for over the weekend sometime in which you are both fresh and try to address some of the bigger things. Keep distractions to a minimum. You cannot have your TV and loud music and Mm-mm. your phone ringing while your child is sitting there trying to work through this thing. So you need to be sensitive and switch off that TV. Switch off the radio shows you like to listen to, etc., etc., while your child is sitting there. You are cooking, maybe your child is sitting by the uh, kitchen table and doing work, etc. Maybe it's not for you now to have big conversations with everybody there while your child is trying to focus on the task. So if you can, and for those that can, 
to do this. Not all people are possible. Is therefore have your child's homework corner. Yeah. You know? Don't put your child in front of a window where they can look out of the window, etc. Maybe a wall, maybe a chair and a small little desk or something out of the way. Especially if there's a big family and there's a lot of movement and all of that, that usually helps. Be a motivator and monitor about that. You know, you, you need to be there for your child. Mm. You need to be able to say, don't worry, this will work. We can work through it. You know, this one is difficult. Let me say it back to your teacher, blah, blah. You need to monitor, but be motivated. Set the good example. You, know, you mm. can't ask your child to, to, to read in your house and love books when you are the person least seen with the book when you are the person least likely to sit next to them when they are doing their homework. So you are not setting a good example. So set a good example. You tell them to love books, it is not do as I say, but do as I do. As I do. And where do we find you, Gerard? Sorry, I am on shapingthelearner.com. Shapingthelearner.com. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. And uh, may you continue just shedding that light and uh, make us better parents. Thank you. Thank you for your good work. Thank you very much. Uh, That's our relationship corner uh, conversation uh, on uh, the relationship between parents and uh, their children's uh, work education. Uh, And thank you so much uh, for connecting with us.